Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 179, episode two of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Tuesday, April 6, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Ooh, spring break, just like a Trump rally. Uh-oh, COVID and bloody cold sores. I don't care what the CDC says to me. I don't care about that. Uh, that is courtesy of J Music Chicago. Uh, very appropriate for how uh, I spent my last week off on spring break. Just uh, spring you know, breaking it, getting down in the in the streets of Miami. <laughs> uh, stop by my friend Paul Pierce's house for a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, playing some uh, poker. Yeah, playing on his IG poker. stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Because I'm binging all day, no Netflix. Cold brew in the office, that's a weakness. Early onset ED made my peace with it. Got a routine, <laughs> but it's on some street shit. I'm going to show you how to get it. It go press record, sit upright, open up the dock, sit upright. Basically, I'm saying... Either way, we're sitting upright. Hey, we sitting upright. Do you want back problems? Okay, anyway, uh, shout out to Shep Miller for that Tusi slide. Uh, AKA, you know, I just got it. Had to struggle a little bit through it, you know? Yeah, just, yeah. Because well, I'm in the, I'm back in the, the seat next to the great Jack. One of the, one thing that they cannot say about us is that we are not sitting upright. Uh, no, as much as I thought uh, at some point I would be a laying down podcaster, I just don't know how. <laughs> when I see clips of that, it gives me anxiety. I'm oh, like, man. are you that checked out or like you're just that good at talking? Yeah, I've had meetings with usually like agents who are like laying down. Just try it's a it's a wait like move. as if you're like on Facetime with like a college basketball player you're dating. Yeah, who's just like what's up, bro? Like, exactly. oh. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna send uh, some red lines back on those deal points. You know, like okay, can you see? Damn, you look relaxed. Wow. <laughs> uh, did you see Clay Thompson during the uh, Golden State game yesterday? No. I posted a clip that I just like had to take a video of uh, the DVR clip of Clay Thompson. He was. The coziest, like falling asleep on the bench. Oh I've ever shit! Seen I'm looking at it NBA right now. Play. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like point. me in a lecture in college. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was like, I've never identified more with somebody. He was just right on that edge of consciousness, falling uh, asleep like at a s- professional sports competition. But this man hasn't played basketball. I know, in but the that just shows you like years. the levels of where he's right. at. Like he's exhausted. Yeah. Uh, he's he wants to be out there. He cannot. Brutal. And yeah. he's probably, who knows how he's sleeping. So at a certain point, like, I have nothing to gain from looking at this except to sleep. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Miles, uh, mm-hmm. great to see you again. Oh, again. Yeah, great yeah. to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of great to talk to, uh, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented Peter Boniface. Thank Welcome. you. Thank you for having me. Thank you hey, so man. much. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, yeah. this, I think the you now hold the record or at least top three for uh, the longest, most in-depth L.A. conversation that we've had prior to recording. You and yeah. Miles. Well, because uh, when you're locals, when, when, yeah. you grow, when you grow up in the Valley, you know, there's a lot to talk about. 
yeah. Listen, the 818 love was flowing and we had yeah. to <laughs> let it keep flowing. Yeah. So we're, we're number one or top three, you said. I what either number one or top three. It was yeah. It was, I would say I was taking know, notes over here. Uh, I'm gonna put out a, a dissertation. Like, okay, I'm writing down Calabasas comments. <laughs> Check research okay. that. What is El Camino High School? <laughs> okay, could you could you let me know as soon as you guys find out which where <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, is, nah. this is an important point. I think pride. this was probably the top one because other people are when they come on and I know they're from the Val. I already know, and this was right. sort of like where'd you go? Hey, what? And you're, and you're I'm from North. You what? So that was one where we were two Valley people working out. For that, I give it the GOAT Valley mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, I think it was. Very oh, man. Yeah, I think it was GOAT because you immediately picked it up. But you, you you started asking all the right questions right yeah. away. That's what you're and, and yeah. And That's what I thought. Yeah. You got to the core of me really quickly. I could man. feel it. You know, you could feel it. You know, it was when a beautiful thing to be The Valley vibes. Valley vibes. All right, Peter, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners just a couple of the things that we're talking about. Uh, we are talking about uh, these Florida GOP stars are, are crushing it this week uh, over the past week. Uh, we're yeah. going to talk about DeSantis. Uh, we're going to talk about a universal tax that Janet Yellen is uh, proposing. Uh, we're going to talk about corporations having to be the voice of reason when it comes to voter suppression. Uh, we'll talk about a wild ass Disney dad uh, who was unable to deal with the the new reality of where we live. We got so much to talk about. But first, Peter, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Let me see. Some from my search history. Be honest, the last thing from my search history was I was researching the tax program for uh, H&R Block to do my taxes because mm-hmm. I have to do uh, my escort taxes. And uh, so it's really the most boring thing you could possibly think of. Uh, <laughs> but it's the first time I would have Googled something like that in an entire maybe year. Okay. Um, yeah. We, we Wait, H&R, Block, H&R Block has their own software? H&R Block has their oh. own online software. Okay. And uh, I tried to use it, and no disrespect to H&R Block, but it was incredibly <laughs> non-user friendly, uh-huh. and I had to give up. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so, I mean, Uncle Sam will have to wait on that check. You know, <laughs> Uncle uh, Uncle. Well, I got an extension, luckily, so Uncle right, Sam right, knows right. that I'm gonna. But uh, it's uh, not to just bore you with this, but it's basically I like filed the wrong form a couple of years ago, and I have to refile that form right. from a couple of years ago so it's that's like how they get you that's it's so incredibly frustrating i know yeah, that's why i'm like i'm dealing intentional i gotta go back to a tax person and do some shit from 2016 like yeah. one weird thing that i'm like oh my god what the fuck why why can't we be like other countries yeah yeah other countries just have a form you fill out they just serve like you with name, your tax bill your, yeah they're like here here's what you owe pay it and we're done here and the U.S. because uh, of companies like H and R Block lobbying, uh, they just keep shit real complicated. Like other yeah. countries are just like, wait, what? You wait. Why? There's a tax, but you don't get the letter from the government that's already done because they know what you make. They're the government. They have all of that. <laughs> right. they, wait, so they ask you to come up with information to verify you've also personally recorded the information that they already have on file on you? Huh. Mm. Anytime you need an expert. 
to be able to, to like decipher things like that. It's, it's, yeah, it's like you got to pay the taxes, but you also got to put the whole thing together and it has to be at your own cost. Yeah. And even when you like ask your friend who's really smart, who went to law school, they're like, look, I'm no tax attorney here. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, it's right, like, right. come like, on, man. The what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, you're a human rights lawyer. You're right. like, look, that's unfortunately, that's easier than tax. Right. Way easier, how. way simpler. Human right. rights. The concept of human rights. Right. Is it's way easier, easier. than. Peter, what is something you think is overrated? Oh, man, it's arugula. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. Wow. What, when I was growing up, nobody was eating arugula. Now it's suddenly this huge part of society. Everywhere you go, everything. <laughs> like I, I, a while back, somebody was telling me about like arugula pizza. And it was like basically like dough, arugula, and like some like cheese or like a white sauce or something. I was like, oh. A, a pizza based on arugula, I just, I don't want it. I don't like it. Mm. I won't do it. I love vegetables. I love herbs, but something about arugula just, I, it honestly kind of makes me feel nauseous. It's the flavor. That's how, yeah, it, that's how oh, fucking gross I feel like arugula is. Yeah. Or rocket, as it's known in other parts of the world. I, I remember eating it. Like, it's funny. I, when it's peppery, I love it. When you get like some lukewarm arugula, I'm like, Ugh. but, yeah, on pizza, I don't like leafy greens on a pizza. Like I get, I've had ones where it'll be like a little prosciutto or something, and a couple they'll they'll hit you with a couple loose arugula leaves. But when something's inundated with like leafy greens on a actual pizza, like salad pizza, like I'm, right. I can't. I'm no, no. That's what it was like. It was like a salad pizza, but yeah. with arugula. Mm. Also, it's like if arugula, if it's just arugula in there, is it really a salad? Wouldn't it just be arugula? Right. Like, we'll mm. go a side of arugula salad, but then the only thing that's in it is arugula and dressing. Well, it's like, well, that's a side of arugula. <laughs> right. That's not, right. That's not salad, my friend. How many, more, how many more ingredients to cross into the salad, to cross the salad? I think at, le I th at least one more. Yeah. I okay. think at least one, one more. more. Uh, side of mashed potatoes salad? Uh, what? <laughs> yes. That's, that's not a salad. <laughs> when you put some, a scoop of mashed potatoes on my arugula to really make it a salad. <laughs> That, um, that's a casserole salad, right? right. <laughs> no, what a casserole has to have egg in it, right, or cheese in it, or something like that, right, for it to be a casserole. I thought it was all about the pan, the dish. Ah, it's the I dish. Because I'm sure you could do a vegan version, but yeah, like I feel like if you're doing a one one pan type thing that falls into that's you're starting to flirt with casserole culture. I feel like you also need you to to have a true casserole, and this probably isn't part of the definition, but you have to have some sort of cream of something soup. That is like a base layer ingredient. That's so. based off of Campbell's putting right. it into Americans' right. brains. Like, <laughs> if you don't have cream of mushroom soup, it's not a fucking right. casserole, you would nice. <laughs> That's classic consumerism sort of taking over our lives. Oh, they did yeah. it. And now, they like, habitually, it. like, I have cream of mushroom soup in my house because I grew up seeing my friend's mom, yeah. like, make a casserole like I'd never seen before. And I'm like, oh, that, you always, that's, that's the ticket. That white <laughs> goo in the can. Yeah. Right. And all you need is water and heat. And then yeah. you got a meal. There you go. I, don't know. I grew up thinking that chicken quesadillas were this recipe that my mom made that was just layers of tortillas with cream of chicken soup and uh, <laughs> cheese like scattered throughout. I was like, wait, this like is a casserole? Like, a yeah, lasagna? it was like a casserole. It was like a quesadilla casserole. Uh, and Whoa. Yeah, it was it's really good, but it's definitely the most american midwestern uh white uh, right. version See, of I love interpretation that. 
Yeah. I love that kind of aggressive, just distillation, offensive <laughs> distillation of other cuisine into like this American version. I don't yeah. know if you're the same way, Peter, because you know, being Persian, growing up in like like America, seeing food at your home that's different than maybe what other kids were eating. Did you like venture out into like the just gnarliest American food because you didn't have it at home? Oh, definitely. Because like once I started eating American food and or just sort of like Western food, quote unquote, when I right. left Iran, uh, I was like, man, uh, our food sucks compared to this. Like <laughs> I, I want pizza. I want burgers. I want, it's, it's not like I hadn't had like those things in Iran. But when sure. you come and have them at like McDonald's and, and you know, those kind of places, it right. really rocks your world after, especially when you're a kid. Yeah. I didn't want to eat like or like. Adig. I, I mean, I didn't want to eat our like celery and beef stew or whatever. I didn't want like <laughs> oh, like man. um I didn't want to eat our pomegranate stew. Like I didn't want to eat any of that shit. Um, right. I, I, I and also for some reason, ever since I was a kid, I was a really picky eater. Mm. Um, I, I think I get it from my mom. Like I just other kids they'll pretty much eat whatever their parents like gave them. Like I was just <laughs> I was very specific. Like I just. I guess the more authentic the food is, the least, like the less I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that right. makes sense. It's a stacked deck because like America is sending all its like best scientists and nutritionists to like massive corporations where they're just like trying to distill chemicals to make something delicious, like without any regard for, you know, how, how, good it is for you or any of those things so it's i i think about this a lot because i've got i'm trying to build healthy eating habits and a three-year-old and a four-year-old and it's like you you find yourself being like eat the hot dog <laughs> and it's like why, <laughs> why am i why am i having this conversation uh, yeah probably it's, the ease of it the yeah e I oh yeah yeah easier to get the kid to eat a um salt log yeah <laughs> Come on, take a bite of your salt log there. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is underrated? I think even though people talk about it, they don't talk about it enough. I think the show Golden Girls is truly one of the greatest sitcoms in the history of television. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, I, honestly, like it's kind of like, it has a special place in my heart because I always watched it with my grandma growing up and I watched it with my mom and like, and I still watch it with my mom. And it's kind of just like one of those shows you watch if you have like, it's like a show I would watch like when the pandemic first hit and I was anxious as shit. And it's right. like, it just makes you feel good. It's just like home cooked food, but it's really fucking funny. And it was very ahead of its time and it only had seven seasons, but it became like a legendary ass show. But because it's about like four old white women, I think people now kind of like dismiss it. But if they actually gave it a chance, they'd say, oh, it was pretty woke for its time. Like they still, right. you know, they still have their little like, you know, moments where you're like, ah, okay, we're, we're luckily as a society way past that. But like, it's a really funny show. And if you're listening out there and if you're talking shit about that show, shame <laughs> on you. Watch the show. Watch the show. And then contact me and say, thank you, Peter, because this show's fantastic. Right. Say it to my face. If you're out there talking shit about Golden Girls, come say it yeah. to my face. Oh, you want to say something about fucking Estelle <laughs> Getty? Yeah. Oh. Do you know that's, uh, 
Mitchell Hurwitz, the creator of Arrested Development, I think that was one of his first writing gigs, uh, was Golden Girls. Like, there's oh, really? just incredible pedigree in that writer's room. And you can it, you can see it on the screen. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the, for, for real, like, I definitely, I, it was a show I, my grandmother would have on, and I would yeah. watch it. And I always thought it was funny because I just always, I loved uh, Sophia. Uh, like just from being just like her vibe always that was like my favorite golden girl character mm. but i always it probably wasn't until i think i stopped watching in like high school and i never came back but because i always had good memories when like this sort of second third wave of like golden girls fandom that's sort of just been on the internet pretty consistently i've always looked at him like oh yeah fucking golden girls is the shit but you know, like when i think of it now most people looking at it through adult eyes i probably need to do that again because i did as a you know, you know, a kid or younger person liked it, but yeah, give it an adult eye viewing now. Yeah. Uh, no, as a kid, it didn't really strike me that it was a good show. I just watched it with yeah, it just my had, I had good associations yeah. with it. Yeah, but it was really like just being a fan of comedy now and as adult, when I look back, like man, these are really this is really funny. Like these characters are very well defined. They're very flawed, but you love them, and the jokes are just very good. And it was ahead of its time, like. Really, especially dealing with like, for the most part, again, they have their sort of blind spots, but for the most part, dealing with issues of like, like LGBTQ and, you know, like at the time, like immigration and mm -hmm. like sort of like certain conservative values and stuff like that. They did a really good job. Uh, I feel like at, for the time, just like setting good precedent. Right. Yeah. Sort of like social reforms and whatnot. And it's just funny as fuck. And back in the days, when you did sitcoms, it wasn't enough that you were funny or you did other, like you had to be a really solid performer. Um, and, you know, it, it was really different back then. Like all of them ha are, have very well-defined stage careers and television careers and like we're, are true, like quote, like quote, thespians of the game. So it's like, right. it really is like performance television performance at the highest level not to get too nerdy with this shit but like you know what i mean no, like it's true it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, good sitcom acting is it's difficult too because a lot of the times the writers weren't writing for the actors like right. there was a script and they're like you need to turn this up whereas like right. I, in listening to the office deep dive podcast and one of the first episodes greg daniels on the showrunners talks about how they were for the first time diff doing something different than traditional sitcom writing whereas like they tried to know the performer and start writing the character to tailor the performer, which was different for before was like, you got to pull up with your skills. And I think, yeah, when this kind of sitcom acting, like they truly took these good, solid writing, even though it wasn't tailored to them, but having to take that and make it seem like it was, I think, yeah, is a true art form. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Give me, uh, uh, give me Blanche yeah. Devereaux over Samantha from Sex and the City in terms of, uh, sex positive characters from my childhood blanche was the shit <laughs> oh definitely blanche is blanche is like what's great about her is like as shallow and like as she seems she's always like is the she's she aggressively defends her friends like when she has to like and i mean like they're all really flawed but mm. all have very very important key aspects of their character that you fall in love with that like yeah. you're like so it's like it's just and that's like you said that's really from the writing and the the performing and uh you just kind of don't see that shit no more it just yeah yeah 
it's weird that like the shows that I watched as a kid, like comedy holds up better than the drama. Maybe, maybe it's just because TV dramas have like progressed more. Uh, but like, you know, Matlock and Murder, She Wrote and those sorts of shows that I kind of associate with Golden Girls in terms of like being on around the same time and like being uh, shows I would watch at my grandparents' house and shit like the Golden Girls holds up really well whereas like you know matlock i i kind of regret my full fullback matlock tattoo a little <laughs> yeah bit. well yeah yeah but yeah back on lock with the matlock tattoo. <laughs> uh you have a full matlock and yeah. and it's really detailed right full body yeah, yeah. you can kind of get an idea of the entire arc of the series based on like the different yeah. sections of the tattoo yeah and it is nude it is nude. Ne- it's yeah. nude of Matlock. And I heard nude it cost Matlock, like 13 yeah. grand. <laughs> oh, yeah. It starts from underneath his shoulder blades to the bottom of his butt cheeks. I mean, you don't want to fuck around with something like that. Yeah. Man. It looks like a weird Yakuza tattoo. Zach, this sounds like the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he's still dealing and, with uh, it. Man. Yeah, hey. still dealing with it, huh? He's still yeah. paying for it. <laughs> no, but um, uh, no, I agree with you, though, man. Like, definitely the old school, like, dramas, now they're like, okay, this is lame. These characters act like cartoon characters. Right. But, right. like, comedy, that's what, what's dope about comedy. It's, like, it's kind of universal, and it's, if it's done right, it's kind of timeless. Like, yeah. I love, I love Lucy still really, really funny. Yeah. Right. And, you know, again, like, it's done such a long time ago, so those aspects of it, you look back and, you know, it's a little cringy, but, like, the other aspects like man this shit is still funny yeah yeah i mean because like when you look at movies from the 80s like a lot of the comedies don't hold up that well but you know dramas and like back to the i guess back to the future is uh, a co- comedic dramedy i think we dramedy back to yeah. the future <laughs> uh you know the greatest film of all time of but, all time yeah yeah i guess like like okay like do you mean like let's say a, a film like Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Is that like yeah, a pure comedy? You know what? Or is that My like point a... sucks. Uh, is what I'm realizing. <laughs> now. No, no. So, <laughs> so I'm going to just back around, back away from that real quick. Beep, uh, beep. I also immediately <laughs> mentioned like an I- iconic, considered iconic, like '80s comedy. But like, yeah, there's right. a lot of comedies from that time. Like, I don't know. I, there's one with Rodney Dangerfield that I liked when I was a kid. And I yeah. saw part of it again, like, I don't know, Back like five school? years ago. Yes. And I was like, yeah. man, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and it's school. just like, <laughs> it was like, they were like, how do we make the dumbest, most like offensive <sighs> bullshit with yeah. every bullshit joke in it? Right. And and then I, like a dumbass, I was like probably like 10 years old. And I thought, man, this shit is hilarious. This is so good. This is uh, so well made. <laughs> they gave, they really did like they really loved the fuck out of like Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, man. He you had know, his like, moment. Remember when they fucking made that movie Rover Dangerfield? They just said, "What if our man was a fucking dog?" And it's a cartoon now. Like that was it. I remember <laughs> being so confused as a kid when that movie came out. I'm like, dude, I don't what this is a dog that's doing stand up. Hey, man, like, the, I don't. The guy gets no respects. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Back then, you just needed this, like, like I mean, you need comedy had to have a shtick, I guess. And he's right. like, hey, yeah, but he does this weird, like, Whoa, these wait. days, if you do that, yeah, <laughs> these days, if you do that shit, people are like, man, get this fucking guy off stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this weirdo. Want to be Rodney Dangerfield looking ass? 
Uh, I heard that dude was like, I mean, again, I, I don't know like how true this is, but I heard like he was like a really shitty dude. And like towards the end of his life, when he wasn't doing comedy as much, like had some like financial scheme where he like schemed a bunch of like old retired people out of their money or something like, again, oh like I, I heard this, fr- I forgot what source I heard this from, but I have heard from multiple sources. The dude was like a shitty dude, but like, yeah, someone um, who constantly goes around screaming about how they get no respect. I'm not surprised <laughs> at all why they right. don't get any respect. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the case. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, that's a whole that's part of the life cycle of being a celebrity who old people like is, you know, like Tom Selleck now does all those like scam shits, uh, you know, Will for. Oh, Brimley. he's like, I trust him. And I think right, you can exactly. too. I'm like, yeah. get the, shut up, Tom. That's just Selleck. being an American who old people like. Uh, telling these old people give their home to the bank <laughs> right. in this commercial. Yeah. Oh, for the uh, yeah. For those uh, reverse mortgages. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's I also like, you like, shut up, Tom. So like, your ass don't have no reverse mortgage. Yeah, you don't right. need a reverse Get mortgage. Off, yeah. Fuck out of here. You do blue bloods. I don't know if yeah. that show's still on, but uh, I think it's always going to be on. I think they signed one an of those official shows. deal that it's it's always, always on from now. On. On. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we have extended uh, blue bloods through the end of time. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. I just uh, wanted to say, I was looking at Rodney Dangerfield's Wikipedia. He wrote a, he had an autobiography in 2004 called, It's Not Easy Being Me, A Lifetime of No Respect, But Plenty of <laughs> Sex and Drugs. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> wow. He said he was so into smoking weed, the book's original title was just supposed to be called My Love Affair with Marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... That, that's not that. the that's not what I would have expected. I wouldn't expect him to be a pothead, but yeah. I, um all right. Let's talk about uh Miles, what happened? I, I had uh so much money on Florida, these Florida GOP stars being being the future of the party. Yeah, a lot of people did. Yeah, people went did. went away this past week. What the fuck happened, man? Uh gets gets they know. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like everybody with the how quickly this scan like there's no protection from the party. They're just like no. That's like you know like if you're you you go out with a friend and somebody acts like wild stupid and you're like I'm not getting a fight with this for over this shit right. And you'd be yeah, like no yeah. you're on your own fam no go right. ahead take a big yeah. swing on um, that one like that's what's happening with him and it should be like no one should be defending him when there's allegations of child sex trafficking involved. But yeah now he's, I mean it's. It's on every it's day. Crickets. There's a new thing. There was like the Iran <laughs> angle for a little bit that went away where it was about getting a freed CIA agent that people thought was dead. And now he's like, hey, I'm not a monk like in this <laughs> op-ed he put out. And you're like, oh, my God. Wow. This is, what is this? I was shocked when I heard this. Uh, I was like, man, Matt Gates, you're kidding me. I can't believe that he's me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He's it, I mean, it's, <laughs> the guy is an absolute be. trash bag. And right. it's so obvious. And like, I, I think he went against some of like some of the like parties more respected members. Oh yeah. And I think now he's kind of paying price for that. Yeah. 
Well, at least they'll always have good old Ron DeSantis, a front runner to be the GOP nominee for the presidential election if Trump doesn't run again in 2024. He was uh, at the CPAC, like when they were taking polls at CPAC, everyone was like DeSantis all the way, man. He's our boy, except for the fact that we've had our suspicions about how he was handling COVID when he like fired the woman who built the state of the art uh, database that everybody was using and was like, she's making the numbers look too realistic. Uh, so they fired her, then had the police like raid her house. Uh, so it, there was a little smoke there. But now uh, 60 Minutes did a deep dive into his handling of the vaccine rollout. Uh, it's not good. It's not, it doesn't, doesn't look great. Reporting from 60 Minutes alleges that he funneled the state's coronavirus vaccines to rich communities uh, and privatized the vaccine rollout to benefit donors, specifically the people who own Publix. But there's also places where uh, people who are on boards and who, you know, were just in good with him were getting vaccines, like irrespective of their place in line. It was just I'm I'm shocked. I know. Again, DeSantis, uh, good old DeSantis. We are breaking news here, Peter. Uh, (laughs) It's just, yeah, these are another guy who got in uh, when, you know, Andrew Gillum could have just possibly have been governor as well. If who knows what if there were the voter suppression, you know, pretty robust in Florida, if Ron DeSantis would even be governor uh, right now. Both the people who went against Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum, respectively, are having a real awful time um just like not like they're doing what conservative governors are going to do which is just basically right whoever looks like them out at the cost of everyone else i mean i feel like they're having a great time doing it it's what they they're doing what they do right yeah Um, and you can tell the way they talk because even like ron DeSantis, when he talks about like oh all the people that are coming to florida for spring break he's like yeah because we're open you know people don't have to be miserable anymore right it's like what that's what you thought this whole thing was. People were just bummed out and miserable because they couldn't <laughs> fuck around on spring break. Not because nearly 600,000 people have died. Like what the, what? Yeah. All uh, 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 I mean, it's a pretty good example. I feel like of like right now, if, if you're a conservative sort of like person who is trying to run for some kind of like, especially a state like Florida, all you got to do is just kind of say the same kind of crap talk about, you know, I'm a Christian and then talk about abortion and bullshit like that. Kiss Trump's ass. That's enough to get elected. But if you're progressive, you have to solve problems. You got to try to solve problems. problems. You got to be, you have to be top of your class. You have to have like, basically just have a complete, you know, never had an issue with anybody in your life, but never said a bad thing about anybody. I mean, it's just sort of like, it's just a crazy, crazy double standard. This guy, Ron DeSantis, couldn't run a newsstand. And right. and now he's running an entire state with one of the biggest populations in the country. Man, I, I guess at this point, I'm sorry to say, but whatever happens is kind of going to happen. It's like it, they always say in politics, you don't get the leaders you want. You get the ones you deserve. And if people are going to keep voting for pieces of crap like that, yeah, it's just tough in states like that, too, though, like where Georgia clearly was a state that could have gone blue many years ago if if, the, if it weren't designed to to take votes away from, you know, people of color and people who would vote democratically. And I'm and Florida is no different. 
and which sucks is because yeah while there are the you know 50 percent plus one that ensured the victory that did vote for desantis the whole other half of the country that or state that didn't who yeah on like and yeah this is what happens we're not able to exercise our power to vote properly because i'd imagine on paper more people don't want ron desantis than do but this is how they've They've got the game rigged at the moment. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And 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 my, and my and who I really mean that towards is sort of like the people who, who consciously put a vote uh, who who did that because it's like I I'm unfortunately in state in a state like Florida it's almost like I, I don't know it's like I automatically assume that there is a much higher population of, of, of the people who have at least more progressive intentions but a large percentage of them either don't vote or don't get a chance to vote or are put in positions where they can't, it's not easy for them to vote. Cause like, Oh, I can't take this day off. Otherwise I don't get paid and I can't put, I mean, it's just like, right. So we have a pandemic where people are like, no, I have time to vote now. And we started, we started to see what happens, which is why the, they're trying to like slam the gates shut before more people start voting freely. The good news is that like, like sort of the populace is more aware than ever. So they can see everything that's happening. So the, I think the GOP, they're going to get their wins and uh, here and there. Yeah. But in the, the end of the day, we clearly see where this country is headed. It's headed to a progressive agenda. And like, at, and they can get on board or not get on board. But it's clear, it's clear yeah. what, how history is going to show everything. Yeah, it's just more the pace at which it happens because right now the, part, the Republicans are they will they will quite literally i think throw themselves into a fire if they have to oh, keep, for sure. if they yeah. have to keep any progress from happening which is what makes it so doubly frustrating yeah yeah the party that always ran on a platform of like we are against communism we literally and we are against russia whatever literally was okay with russia hacking yeah. our biggest most important systems in this country yeah. and then see walking into the oval office <laughs> right There's no problem it's no problem but imagine if like a progressive leader had done something like that. Oh my God. They would no. I mean, I mean, that's I when someone was like, well, like if the second someone says anything about Venezuela objectively, they're like, well, right. let's talk about this sanctions. They're like, oh my, what? What are you, some socialista, fashionista? What is this crap? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. No, see, you're just triggered by the fact that I'm talking about a country that the United States foreign policy has been, you know, actively trying to destabilize. Yeah. There's um, there's this thing that happens uh, a lot that that you see in this case where they're using privatization to launder right. like their white supremacy, um, by being like, well, we're just gonna give it to Publix. Uh, Publix is a big grocery chain, and you know they're gonna know how to uh appropriate all the all the uh vaccines, and meanwhile, you know that leads to uh Palm Beach County which is has uh vaccinated over 160,000 residents uh of those people vaccinated 2% were black 3% were hispanic even though minorities make up almost half the country or half the county so right. it's yeah they they know what they're doing it's i think increasingly as as you uh alluded to Peter like it's the uh it like because it's becoming clear that this is the the country is heading in a progressive direction they are making it clearer like 
it's it's more and more important to them and to their supporters that they, you know, uphold white supremacy out in the open without saying it, yeah. uh, unless you're Trump. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're more desperate. They're more desperate yeah. than they ever been. It's like they, I mean, they're looking at the polls themselves like they can see, like, so now it's about, like, theft. It's about stealing. It's about being all the things they always pretended to be against. And, right. uh, yeah, pretended uh, exactly. Pretended to be well. That they were like, no, nah, it's that's what it is. We just we'll say the other thing because we want people to vote for us because they want yeah. them to think we're humans, right? And then and they're of course the ones that talk about how like there is no systemic white supremacy in the system. It's like of course the the, right. the person that's being accused is always the person that's going to say no. This yeah. thing doesn't exist. Yeah, race. It's so crazy. Racism is so bad that even racists don't want people to know they're racist. Any yeah. other any other ideology somebody has, they want everyone to know how they feel about something. Right. But when it comes to racism, even racists are afraid. Even racists know how bad it is. Even yeah. racists know like, how ah. cowardice it is to dislike someone, hate someone simply because they're different from you. Yeah. Well, kind of the same story, but uh, like a di- a different part of the same story is. Uh, the voter suppression that is, you know, all the different, you know, legislation that's being proposed, passed uh, in Georgia, in Florida, that is basically making it harder and harder for people who aren't Republican voters to vote, basically, yeah. is what it comes yeah. down to. Um, and now Mitch McConnell is shook, it seems like. You got, look, I've been, we were joking like, yo, I guess the corporations are going to have to fucking step right. in to save democracy right. because it's the only thing that makes sense to politicians in this, in this country is the loss of capital. So it's like, well, if they move the all-star game, that's one thing. If these other companies like, hey, we need y'all to do something or else we're going to figure out what we need to do to help, you know, protect our employees. Now, I'm not convinced. I don't know how far a corporation is willing to go, but at right now they're making, they're sucking their teeth at this bill like okay we'll see what's going on and mitch mcconnell yes he's saying things like this right now uh he he in a a, like a a, like a statement he put out he was warning companies like coca-cola and delta to quote stop taking cues from the outrage industrial complex uh Mm. end quote in reaction to their you know all the people coming out against this georgia voter suppression bill and I'm like, that's not big Grim Reaper energy, Mitch. That's not usually how you are. Like, I thought you were the guy who's like, oh, you don't know what I have under my coat because I to get rid of the filibuster and I will start clapping in here. But it's all pump fakes from him because he has nothing because they don't have an ideology that appeals to a majority of people. It only enjoys it's only enjoyed and attractive to a very small part of the country. And those numbers are starting to dwindle. But it's still enough to make some races competitive with voter suppression. So he goes on to say, quote, it's jaw dropping to see powerful American institutions not just permit themselves to be bullied, but join in the bullying themselves. Wealthy corporations have no problem operating in New York, for example, which has fewer days of early voting than Georgia, but requires excuses for absentee ballots and restricts electioneering via refreshments. There is no consistent or factual standard being applied here. It's just a fake narrative gaining speed by its own momentum. So is he proposing that we change things in New York? It sounds like, I mean, that's yeah. Okay. So that's a good point. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's let's fix. Why don't New we York. just pass HR one, the For the People <laughs> Act? 
How about right. that? We could just all put oh. it all on the level playing field because guess what? Even the goons who like racism, they would be registered to vote at 18 too. So, yeah. right? What's the problem? It's level, baby. Mm. We're, we're, we're saying we're going to have a boxing match and we're going to use the same gloves and we're, it's all sanctioned and we know it's, we're trying to make it as level as possible. But the second, you know, because I think all this does, it, it fucking underlines just how dependent all politicians are. On being in the good graces of corporate donors, yeah, like that's uh, all this is saying to me. I think the the problem with old uh, old Mitch is that he knows that it's all about the cash, and because again we said that the the majority of the country is against these sort of like these is against sort of the the white supremacist institution that's really trying to keep these voters voting suppression laws in place because a lot of them have been in place for a long fucking time. They're just mm -hmm. getting ramped up. They're just, things are adding on top of it now. But uh, I, I feel like um, they know that it's like, Delta's like, we don't want to lose money. And the, the company's like, we don't want to lose money. Right. So we don't give a fuck about pissing off some dumbass uh, politician. We give a fuck about pissing off millions of people so we don't lose money. So it's like, he knows yeah. there's nothing, he can but sit there and cry all he wants. There's nothing he can do about it. Right. Because yeah. if consumer, I mean, that's like the weird thing. It's like consumer culture is going to guide this in the right direction. Because if we start saying like, well, we're not going to buy from this company, like, OK, fuck, we love voting. OK, fine. What the fuck? Uh, right. And we want to make sure everyone can vote because we don't want to sell less bottles of Sprite Remix over the summer. <laughs> I mean, right. In the end of the day, what is this really about? It's really about they know that literally the black and Hispanic Latino vote saved this country it right. saved it it saved all our asses and they know that and that's who they're trying to suppress yeah. i mean these 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 republicans are, it's kind of like they're they're like evil i don't want to use the word genius because i don't think any of them it's i, I can't even imagine I, no i won't associate the Very word genius cunning. with these people Very cunning. yeah they're just disgustingly cunning and they'll yeah. do things that the other side won't do because the other side is you know i mean I hesitate calling myself a Democrat because uh, there's a lot of things in the, a huge amount of things in the Democrat sort of the zeitgeist of the Democrat philosophy that I completely disagree with too, because I still rooted in, in some ways in white supremacy and just mm -hmm. sort of a slave to capitalism. But it's like, in this point, you have to choose sides and th there was just no other way around it. Yeah, they're just better salespeople. Democrats are just better salespeople. They're like, oh yeah, we can read the room. That's what we like. Will we do it? I don't know. Maybe at a right. very slow pace, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just, it and, just then, takes and then within there, you actually have the people who are there to solve problems. And I think that's the thing I hope more people who vote begin to see is that there are politicians like Mitch McConnell who are just there to stay there and, you know, be in their influential, be like the in the top eight of Uncle Sam's MySpace page of top patriot friends of his. And then there are people who are purely there on a mission to create better outcomes for people. Like, I, I mean, I, I really get that vibe from AOC, you know, mm. just like uh, 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 just someone like her who's got an aggressive, progressive agenda. She's not scared of these fucking old white dudes and yeah. she's going to come at them. You know, I think the first step is someone who does not take corporate money is the first yeah. is like the first hurdle you have to get over to convince me you're here for the right reasons. Other right. than being a does, does she take corporate money? I don't think she takes like pack money. I, for the most part, I feel like a lot of the progressives have sort of sworn off that. Like you said, man, that's, that's well said. That's a first step. That's, that's a big first step. I'm not bought. 
I'm not buy, bought by these corporations. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, and real quick, I wanted to talk about this. What what is a boring sounding headline, uh, but I but I think is actually pretty important and can be somewhat easy to understand. Uh, and and a story that we've been covering sort of on and off. Uh, so Janet Yellen is proposing a global corporate tax rate, which again, kind of boring sounding, and because we are accustomed to taxes being something that's intentionally aggressively complicated. So, but basically this would attack a key way that corporations and the extremely wealthy uh, are making our current trajectory as a species like unviable. They have found clever, complicated ways to avoid paying taxes. The most wealthy are effectively stealing from the rest of the population and there's a certain amount of money that needs to be spent on collectively funded institutions and programs, uh, and they are, by, by not paying their fair share, they're uh, making the rest of us pay more. And so this proposed legislation would make it so that corporations uh, can't use their massive size and influence to uh, pressure countries to adopt loophole-laden tax policies that make them tax havens. Uh, and they, you know, a lot of people have said this is an impossibility because how are you going to get countries to make decisions that are not in their financial interest? So there's some things about incentivizing corporation uh, cooperation by making it easier for those countries to borrow money from the U.S. But yeah, this goes mm -hmm. back to we we talked about this book, uh, The Hidden Wealth of Nations, that just talks about the sheer scope of tax avoidance by massive corporations and extremely wealthy people. And the the response was like, well, how are you going to do any of this? And it's at least promising that the U.S. is going to try, that they have enough hope to be like, all right, we'll make everybody have this level of taxation so that Apple can't just like park all of their corporate earnings in right. One place and uh, not contribute anything to the country that made them possible. Yeah, and don't worry; it's just it's just going to be a fraction of what you should be paying anyway. So don't get all torn right. up about it because yeah. at the end of the day, we're not going to look for real equitable taxation here. Yeah, but shit, when you know nobody's paying anything, it's like, well, what? Yeah, what the fuck can you do? Yeah, unless there's like a global pitchfork movement. You know, when you look at global financial restrictions, there's often a lot of blowback from it, right? Because, like, mm -hmm. it doesn't affect all countries equally. Like, rich countries can deal with that. Poor-ass countries that need big corporations to invest in them, like, to, for jobs and infrastructure and stuff like that, are going to kind of be at, still at the whim of corporations. Like, they're going to find ways out of this. Now, I guess I don't, I, I, I'm definitely optimistic that the discussion is being had, but sure. I'm a little bit pessimistic in terms of how it's going to sort of affect the, the, the sort of global equity in, in that way. Or right. look at what's, look what's happening with vaccines. Poor ass countries right now are probably like 1% in on their population totally vaccinated as opposed to like countries like what, you know, like the us, US, Western yeah. Europe. Yeah. And like 100 so, million people almost. Right. You know, the problem is that 
for the most part, it feels like the sort of Reagan-esque trickle-down economics is something the major corporations have been sort of feeding the smaller countries and smaller, like, you know, those kind of developing, yeah, developing countries, that crap that it's like, if we, if you allow us to sort of like unregulated, unrestricted, invest yeah. into your, into your uh, country, that wealth will trickle down. And it, of course it doesn't. Yeah. You'll right. get to, you'll get to participate in, you get a, you can get a world bank loan if you let us completely exploit your land. How about right. that? Right. And then this you'll be so indebted to the World Bank that when you start having socialist leaders come up, we're going to say you need to kill that person or make sure they're not the leader because that's how the U.S. was fighting the Cold War in Latin America, basically, because they were like, well, fuck, we're going to we'll use debt to try to, to co coerce more control out of developing nations. Right. Yeah. And then they use that. They use that for leverage, got arms and basically gave uh, arms to Iraq to try to um Fight Iran in the in the, in the war in the Iran Iraq war. It, here's an example of what's kind of happening in Iran right now. Because of the sanctions and whatnot, mm -hmm. the country has oil but can't really sell it to anybody except for a few different countries. So right. basically, they're so desperate that now they're literally selling off parts of the country to China. Right. Wow! Literally selling parts of the country uh, of Iran to China to pretty much do whatever they want with it. Like but to, it's kind to do like resource extraction? Yeah, like resource that? extraction. Mm. It's a lease or they fully own it? Like that's now, like they're like, we've ceded this land to this Chinese company or whatever. And now that is whatever they're, they're, they're operating on. I mean, from the, the knowledge I got, it, it sounded like they're actually selling off, like actually like give, literally selling Just off like, like these land. Assets, right the very least, yeah, right. Uh, as assets, basically. Or even if they're leasing that land, they're literally letting them do whatever they want yeah, with it, right. and then sort of, sort of paying. I guess, but it, I would imagine it's mainly to extract, you know, uh, resources or whatnot. Right. But uh, I mean, it's, yeah, and, and it's uh, it's sort of just an example of how like the richer countries are kind of using the the poorer countries. Right. Uh, this is, I guess, I mean, this is like a whole government, but I, but I guess you know, the corporations are doing kind of the same thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, because I mean, <laughs> they're kind of the same thing at this point. Right, right. Yeah. One of his proposals uh, is the guy who wrote the uh, Hidden Wealth of Nations is to is like a global registry of all assets just to make it so that there what there isn't just all this money that's off the book. So like, we don't know what is happening to it, which is like one of those somewhat simple sounding ideas. That right made me be like wait we can do that and according to him yeah you can and you know that the news since he wrote this book which was about eight years ago has been uh you know inundated with all this blockchain technology and distributed ledger technology that it seems like the more that we can get everything above board the harder it would be for these corporations to do the shit that they're doing because they, you, we'd be able to track it yeah. Meanwhile, like maybe that now it's a perfect time to like, oh, what about Georgia, though? Huh? Everybody. <laughs> right. Wow. That's fucked up. That voter suppression bill. Somebody we should do something about that. I don't know what the, the tax thing you're talking about is, but I don't know if you saw what Brian Kemp is doing. Mm. We should talk about that. All right. Let's talk about uh, this Disney dad and just wh where we're at with uh, our reemergence as a country into into normalcy. I mean, Possibly. Yeah, look, re-entry anxiety, 
reentry anxiety is very real. Uh, right. And we'll discuss that in a later episode because the more I read about it, I'm like, yep, this is uh, this is me. This is everyone I know. Just being, we've been living the last year in a very bizarre version of the world and trying, and you know, a lot of us have tried to like forcefully adapt to this like new way of like being less social and more focused on like surviving and just being a little more inward. And yeah, to say the least, it's going to be a bit of a process getting back out there, at least mm. for me and some other people who are just kind of like, eh, I think I'll get overwhelmed pretty easily, but I know I want that down the road, but I'm not gonna be able to make that jump very quickly. Well, there's a Baton Rouge man who found out that, you know, look, he's trying to do the normal thing of go to Disney World, you know, yeah. been trying to recapture going on a vacation. But when he got there, he was a little too anxious and he sidestepped the temperature check at the gates at Disney World, which is a big no, no, considering that Florida is like being like, please, we're barely trying to keep this thing together. Like, let's try and keep some of these protocols in. So this dude apparently just walked right in mm. and people were like chasing after him was refusing to have to be tested. And this this uh, Washington Post article says amid heightened precautions for the virus, the major Florida tourist attraction Kelly Sills, 47, skipped the temperature screening required of guests. He was confronted by security about it at a, at a Disney Springs restaurant, the boathouse, when he yelled and refused to leave. Mostly he was yelling. He's like, do you know how much I paid to be here? Uh, and I'll play this clip just so you can kind of hear this man's voice and what he felt he was entitled to do or not do, given that he completely sidestepped the temperature check. Let's hear the Trump supporter. Yes, sir. Okay. So because it's private property, all right, they can ask you to leave. They can't ask me when I paid fifteen thousand dollars. That's not 100, true statement, sir. One hundred percent, they can. If you okay. charge me, if so, I take fifteen thousand dollars from you, I can't kick you out, Mr. Sills. Uh, Mr. Sills, if you uh, want to know, I respect that. Okay. I'm not so. <laughs> He's like, all right, I respect that. He like realized they're like, <laughs> that's not an argument, fool. He's like, right. I paid fifteen thousand dollars. And maybe, uh -huh. you, I'm sure you did. Apparently, he came with like eight family members. Right. You'd, airfare, hotel and shit. That's just not cheap. But also, sir, you should know. The very least, if there, you can fuck up your own bag like that by trying to skirt the temperature screening. Uh, and you're not, unfortunate. I know that a lot of the companies are setting this example for Americans being like, I gave all this money. What do you mean I can't subvert the will of the people? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he had that big energy. So he later went on, uh, the, the Washington Post was interviewing him and he was saying it was a mix up. He said he actually like entered through an exit or something. And he said, quote, this is from the Washington Post article, quote, he partly blamed the security manager for escalating the conflict and compared Disney security to Nazis and the mafia, mm. uh -huh. but also admitted he was, quote, in a bit of a mood after a day of travel. Mm. He says, COVID is a very serious thing, but so is my vacation with my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know which one is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know which one's more serious. COVID kills almost 600,000 people, but on that same level, at the exact same level of importance is In my family breath. going yeah. to Disney World. And I don't think, I mean, I don't know what his intentions are necessarily. I don't know where the, because it's weird. When you watch that clip, there are times when like the cops are like, yo, just shut up. Let me talk to you. Like, right. okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. And he's like, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I don't know if it's like, he could be evil. He might not be. But what I definitely see is like a stressed out person thinking the shit was normal again. And when like this new normal wasn't normal in that, like he had to wear a mask and still get a temperature check. Like he's like, what the? F 
I can I I could see on one sense of being frazzled, but I'm not saying, you know, that's his right to skirt the temperature check. I like the way that it ended with him being like, will you take my temperature before you kick me out, please? And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, no, we'll we'll do that at the jail. And he was like, oh, OK, that's good. Yeah, that's right. The <laughs> last line is we take me one more time. Maybe he wanted a shot at redemption. He's like, OK, I'll comply. I'll comply. I'll comply. They're like, yeah, fam, at the jail. Yeah. Like, look, I know it's too late, but can you at least let me know if I have a fever or not? Because I really don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel, feel like good shit at all. Right now. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. very sick. I'm very sick. I've been coughing. I have dry cough. The, the thing is, I, I just, I'm sorry. I just automatically assume this guy is a Trump supporter. Like, yeah, but I mean, I've just, seen, I've seen, I've, I know people who are Democrats who are acting dumb as fuck with this shit, and I'm very disappointed. And I think it, at the end of the day, I start those sort of partisan divides blur a bit. Because while there are motivations very specifically for conservative people, I see people who just like have lived in a world that has not necessarily been very turbulent for them or filled with consequences. So it's easy to look at this situation, get to this point without being ill or something like, no, I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going over here. I'm going to do like it's this on some level. There's like this feeling of like trying to feel like I, I'm like, I'll be OK. I'll be OK. It's sort of denial of your own mortality in some sense. You know, my man, you just taught me something right now. I want to thank you. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Yeah. You could still you could still act like a selfish, irrational person, which he was what he was doing. It's like yeah. first of all, your kids are there. In front of your kids, you're basically saying, No, if depending on what mood I'm in, I don't have to follow the rules and I could throw a fit, a grown yeah. adult throw a fit in front of other grown adults because I mean, bro, we're all waiting in line for the same shit. We're yeah, all right. doing the same shit. None of us want to wear masks. Yeah. I None of us want to like get a temperature check before you go into it. So it's just like, it's a level of selfishness. It, 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 and a lot of it has to do, I think, with the mentality in this country in general. Like yeah. the, the capitalist mentality. Me, me, me. No, me. My comfort. That's yeah. my comfort. My family's comfort. What do you mean them? No, fuck them. I don't know them and I don't owe them shit. It's yeah. Like, well, that's Nobody not, ever gave me nothing. Nobody ever cared about, you know. It's well, all they actually things. did. Yeah, they yeah. did. You're not acknowledging <laughs> it. <laughs> You know, all the, it just, it just is selfishness, selfishness. Yeah. Like these same people that I'm on a plane and I don't want to wear a mask. What? Yeah. None yeah. of us want to wear a mask, bro. Yeah. Well, in the sense, yeah, that, yeah, you're like, this isn't a situation anyone wants to be in. Of course it ain't not. About you. But this yeah. is how, this is how at the very least the people who are good enough to, this is their job to have to be stuck on this thing with us to keep them safe. Other people safe. it's like, but you know, I think there's just no, um, it's it's an unfortunate thing. Like I said, yeah, it doesn't really matter ideologically because this will reveal a lot about who you are in general. And I think, again, I think people who that's why you see a lot of people who identify as Democrats who aren't really shit anyway. They're just also good at reading the room. They're like, oh, fuck that. If I choose that side, nobody will fucking talk to me. At least Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, uh, they rock with that side. So I'll do mm. that. Oh, do I do I have any empathy uh, for uh, undocumented people or trans people or uh, people of color or any other. No, not really. Right. I just no, did this to avoid the smoke on Instagram. You're, you're absolutely right. Whether you're progressive or you're conservative does has nothing to do with if you're an actually a good, decent person. You could still, I mean, how many progressive quote unquote people do we know that are absolute pieces of garbage and yeah. selfish as and, shit? And, and people who, you know, like uh, rest in peace to my friend's father who was a conservative. But a really, it, it was the most confusing thing because was the most caring person to no matter who he met, but was, but voted Republican all the time. 
And it was like hard for me to be like, well, I can't just write this dude off because he's never said anything fucked up. He's always been the most kind person, Mm -hmm. never said anything like, you know, outside of some maybe ignorant, like very like boomer type shit. Nothing that felt like it crossed the line. It's like hateful, purely hateful rhetoric. So it's like wild when you just see like, you know, that was coming from a time when that was a better brand to hop onto. But at the end of the day, he didn't lose his ability to be empathetic or, you know, embrace like people that didn't look like him just happened to be like in the game of politics. He just chose this dumb fucking thing. And I don't know. And we don't know why. And, you know, I think it's the same reason you see racist ass Democrats. You're like, what the fuck yeah, are yeah. you doing here? Absolutely. So get over it. Absolutely. Like, this is that this. And that's why I think at the end of the day, we have to be able to really cast aside the labels and shit. And it's really going to boil down to, are you down for other human beings or not? I don't care about right. the yeah. Like, don't get caught up in the, like the stupidity of these, like, you know, voting like issues. Like if you're an issues voter more than like, I think we need to arrive at a place where we just need to say there is a lot of pain in the world, but we have the resources to address it. And it's just Mm -hmm. about shifting the way we look at things to say, like, let's just do, let's just hold each other up because honestly with climate change and these other things that are coming, we need to develop the skills to be able to like have each other's backs. Unfortunately in this country, those skills are atrophied to fuck. And people do not have them. And it, and it breaks my heart when you see other countries, at least on paper or culturally, be more like willing to sacrifice for each other and know what that's like. But it's, it's foreign. You're right. And then you're absolutely right. General and generalizing never helps when you generalize that a certain type of group are all good, uh, have all good intentions and a certain other group have bad intentions. I mean, yeah, same right. shit that happens to people that look like us, you know, right. Yeah, it's like then we're doing the same. Yeah, it's yeah, a generalization. So it doesn't help. You got to be able to exactly at least right. try and you want to at least be able to like, no, that's a nailed on asshole. I know them. To, yeah, I'm I'm off this. Uh, yeah. And not that you have to take the time to understand people, but at the very least, no, just like we all have nuances and shit. Every single person does. And just to immediately think D or R equals good or bad is like you're, you can, we're going to we'll miss so much shit. It, it, it just I, I sometimes I get so pissed off and I talk through my kind of anger in terms sure. of like what I see, quote unquote, the other side doing, you know, mm. and it's kind of like even my comment when I said earlier where it's like so, a lot of times, like, let's say Florida voters that voted Republican. It's almost like a part of me is like, well, you got what you wanted, but it's almost like they're also people. And it's like when you see people suffering, even if it's a decision they made, it's like. Yeah, if you have you gotta want the yeah. skills of empathy, you're like, oh, that's fucked up for that. Yeah, I don't want that. You're for actually me. right. I don't so, want that for another person. Right. So it's like I get angry and then I overgeneralize and then I look back and I'm like, no, that's not right. You know. Yeah. So I apologize for that statement earlier, but it's not. Nah, it, but it's, it's, no, that's man. growth, baby. That's why they. That's, yeah. that's, that's why we yeah, do the show. You know what I mean, man. I came on this show a, per- a certain type of person and I'm leaving a cer- different type of person. You're listening to a guy who listens to too many podcasts. <laughs> no, no, but no, it, it's absolutely right. And generalizing doesn't help any of us. Yeah. Um, Peter, it's been a pleasure having you, man. Thank you uh, so much for coming on. Yeah. Man, thank Where you so much. Where can people uh, find you and follow you? Find me on Instagram, please. Uh, yeah, at yeah. Pbani, P B A N I. Uh, do uh, you know? Post a lot of like silly videos, just sort of about like Iranian American culture and so forth, and whatnot. Man. And uh, thank you so much, man. And uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, having me. It's just uh, oh, anytime. Yeah. Hey, you on TikTok, man? You on TikTok? 
I, I'm on TikTok. I don't go on it that much. They're not. They're not giving you that algorithm love because I feel like your shit would be killing it on TikTok. I don't. I don't post. I gotta post more on TikTok. Um, maybe my age is just coming out. Like it's like I feel like I kind of the whole TikTok thing doesn't appeal to me as <laughs> sure. much. Instagram right. almost feels like it's more my speed. Although there's aspects of TikTok that I really like and I think is really cool. And yeah. it's people who have certain hidden talents are now able to show the whole world how talented they are. So that I really yeah. love. Well, I think the great thing of like TikTok is especially for like like you know diasporic communities and things. They're always like, no matter what country, it's some version of being from another country in another country where it's like seeing videos of like what it's like to be a Japanese Swede or like right. Japanese oh, yeah, Brit yeah. or like Blackenese in Japan or Blackenese in America. Like it's really interesting to see that. So I think a lot of your content would easily like get caught up in there and you don't have to do nothing different. Just post the same shit you put on Instagram, except upload it there and do the right hashtags and they got you. Yeah. Got great, man. Thank you for that suggestion, my brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, because I feel like it's truly like because it res it it clearly like resonates with the community. So like, yeah, I feel like that's a, a great pond to be in. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, and is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? It was a quote that somebody had posted. I can't find it right now. I mean, it was it was like a several days ago. It was a quote, and it's uh, apparently an old Mexican proverb that says uh, they tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's absolutely yeah, beautiful. So. And anybody who's like sort of a comes from a is from a disenfranchised group or uh, minority, it's like that's such a powerful quote that you mm-hmm. that I don't know. I just thought it was beautiful. I had heard it before years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's the name of I, uh, Tamara Katan's podcast too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they tried to bury us. Oh man! Oh, yeah. that is—it's like the, I and I think I heard it first time when he was talking about the podcast. I was like, "Oh, I hadn't heard that proverb before." But yeah, it truly is like it's—it uh, resonates, I think, with any oppressed group. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and it's just beautiful. It's just yeah, man. So that's some came that uh, I saw on somebody's Instagram, and I've been thinking about. Yeah, so, Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Oh man, uh, what's a Twitter, Instagram? Uh, Miles of Gray, G R A Y, and also the other podcast, 420 Day Fiance. Some tweets that I like. First one is from uh, Moonlight at no M G, but at no E M M E and then the letter G. Uh, she tweets, If you think poor people should not have children, then you think no one should have to grow up in poverty. So then you agree. We need to eradicate poverty. How about not starting at that top part uh, and we look at the root issue? And mm-hmm. I think that's 100. I, I love seeing tweets like this happens like more and more and more, like where people are articulating like that. We're completely huh. yeah. looking at the wrong place and diagnosing problems in the weirdest point uh, that you could. So, yes, that's true. If But, you know, at the end of the day, they would say, well, Look, I'm racist. I just said I didn't think poor people should have children. You got me. You got me. All right. You got me. I think a lot of these things would end with someone either they're going to have to agree with that logic or it's going to be like, admit, mask off racism, mask off racist. I'm sorry. I'm racist, y'all. And I'm not afraid to say it anymore because I can't pretend because I'm not thinking much. Um, the second one is from at Eva Cantor at Poe River Jam Band tweet. You could theoretically carbonate barbecue sauce. 
and that fucked me up. Fuck, man. Don't put that in. I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know if I want to try it, but a yeah. little fizzy barbecue. Dip your whatever in some fizzy Q. Damn. Uh, a couple tweets I've been enjoying. Aubrey Hirsch at Aubrey Hirsch tweeted me. This edible is trash. Me 20 minutes later. Man, it's a good thing air is see-through or humans would be so fucked. <laughs> and Matthew at Tweet Potato 314 tweeted, why don't little kids ever tear their ACL? They run dumb as fuck. Uh, <laughs> that is something I was definitely identifying with over spring break with my kids while we were both trying to learn to ski. And uh, man, they were taking some big falls that I was yeah. like, damn, is his leg going to fall off? And he would just pop right back up. But I fall just a little bit and uh, have to get my leg amputated. Right. Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we recommend you go check out. Miles, what song are we recommending? Oh, just feeling real nostalgic for uh, TLC, but a remix oh. from Fan Mail album, which is obviously going to be no scrubs, but this is a remix by Hero, H-I-R-O. It's called the Hero Lovesick Edit of No Scrubs. It'll be in the footnotes, uh, but it's on SoundCloud, and it's just got like... It's, it gives it a new energy. And I love when you could take a song that I'm like, don't touch that song and remix it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit, this one, okay. Right. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. And I think that's Start out mad at it, thing. and by the end, you're like, all right. Or you get mad at reading a title. You're like, don't yeah. fuck with that yeah. song. And then you realize, like, someone actually got, like, a clean acapella, and they weren't just, like, playing a loud beat over the original <laughs> one. Right, and it's, right. like, actually well thought out. So, yes, check this one out. Get your toe jumping. All right. Well, go check that out. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.